Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 65, and today we have uh, one of the best coaches in the eastern half of the state of Iowa here, Ed Tim, the boys basketball coach at Mount Vernon High School. Uh, but before we get to Coach Tim, we of course want to recognize our sponsor for the pod, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or to make an appointment, give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, we try to have daily coaching tidbits there. Obviously, in the season, it's harder and harder to get those tidbits out there. Uh, but be sure to follow us at a pen and a napkin. Uh, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes, so be sure to download, rate, and review. Give us five stars so that we can get the word out, gain momentum, and help out as many coaches as we can. And then, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Coach Tim, how are things just south of Cedar Rapids tonight? Um, we're going well. We uh, had an overtime game last night, so we're a little bit, and we, uh, due to COVID, yeah, due to COVID we're uh, um, playing Monday and Tuesday, so it's uh, kind of a busy week for us right here. So, But you know, kind of everybody's in the same boat right now. You just kind of hope you get games in and you play them one at a time. So, Yep. Yeah, kind of the, uh, you got the NBA schedule rolling here? Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, we usually have, you know, we, when we play Tuesday, Friday, typically in Iowa, you kind of get into a routine and, mm-hmm. you know, that routine is, we haven't had a routine. Our routine is to not be in any routine. So, yeah. you know, but everybody's in the same boat and, uh, you know, it, it kind of helps you adjust and, you know, we've had to do some things different this year. And, um, some of that is, you know, I, I, we found some things that maybe we'll do in the future, which has been kind of interesting. So, yeah, yeah, it's always, it's always unique and. This is a little more unique than others. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Coach, I hope you don't mind. Um, you know, when when I reach out to folks, and and obviously some you know loyal listeners know that some of these people that I've had on before, um, I've I've known them very well. I've known them for a long time. There's other folks that are perfect strangers, like Coach Tim and I are this evening, and and so we were communicating back and forth. Like, Coach, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I've I've giggled the last three days over the email that you sent me uh, as we got set up for this. Um, he says, uh, you know, we're kind of going back and forth. How do we get this set up? And he says, uh, Coach Tim says, yep, how will you contact me? Phone call, Zoom, carrier pigeon, or pork and bean cans dyed together with string? I'm not sure what the technology is at in Nebraska. I'm um, looking forward to it. I can tell you in one sentence our entire playbook. Uh, I apologize, I have never heard of your podcast, but you should know I have never listened to anyone else's podcast either. In fact, this is the first time I've ever typed the word podcast, so I'm not entirely sure if it is one word or two words or if it's capitalized. You should start to seriously reconsider this interview. Coach, as soon as I read that, I knew this is going to be a great podcast. So I have been giggling about that for three days, and I wanted you to know that. Yeah, I just, you know, if you can't, you know, it's, it's that time of the year when you just, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself and you, I mean, you got to enjoy things and, yep. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a great time of the year. I mean, it's stressful, but it's a great time of the year. And, and I think this year more than any, you just, you enjoy the grind. I mean, you know, there's sometimes you just enjoy it and, you know, and, and, and treasure every minute you have to, to be with the kids and to play a game we love. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's, uh, you know, there aren't a lot of positive silver linings to what we've gone through the last year, but mm-hmm. that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we try to emphasize at the end of every practice is, um, you know, did we, are, are we, uh, did we get better today? Did we have fun today? Are we grateful to practice today? And that's something that we've really tried to emphasize to our kids because we know this can get taken away from us in just the just the snap of the fingers. So you you are definitely hitting the nail on the head right there. So, um, coach, for for the folks that don't know a whole lot about you, um, could you uh, you know just I just give you a couple of minutes here to kind of go through your background. Uh, I, how did you end up at at Mount Vernon High School and and at the the helm of the Mustangs of of Mount Vernon High? 
Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I grew up on a... <laughs> I, uh, I, I can tell you this, I, I tell the kids all the time, I grew up, my love of basketball um, started uh, living on a pig farm because the only way my dad would let me get out of doing chores is if I was doing some kind of practice. Uh-huh. And uh, so... I played four sports. <laughs> I, uh, I loved morning practice because it was clean off hog floors or it was go to practice. And <laughs> I tell you what, the worst practice I've ever been to is better than the alternative on the farm. So, um, anyway, <laughs> I, I got a, I got a couple of fa- friends that I can I can relate to. You know that that went through the same thing. So I, I I'm just I'm just giggling in agreement here. Um, but no, I I, you know, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, about thirty miles from here. We're right in between. We're right equidistant between Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, so uh, wow. we're a, a town of about 5,000, and I have a really strange journey. I got my first head job when I was uh, 22 years old, fresh out of Central College, um, Was uh, played for Coach Walbert for a couple of years, who had a huge influence on my life, and mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and lots of different things, So, um, but uh, I got hired at, at West Liberty High School teaching social studies, and and as a head basketball coach, and I was, you know, going to set the world on fire and, and going to be everything else. And we lost our first 10 games. And <laughs> here's where one of, the, one, of the, one of the most humbling things that ever happened to me is the athletic director at that time was Greg Gwynn, who's still a great friend of mine, and, and gave me my start. And uh, I went in and I said, you know, Mr. Gwynn, I said, you know, I, I knew we weren't going to be very good, but I had no idea we were going to be this bad. And mm-hmm. He looked at me and he said, you know what, Ed? If we'd have been any good, we wouldn't have hired you. So. <laughs> well, thanks for keeping the things I mean, in perspective there. Well, but it was one of the, he was true. I mean, you know, they're not going to hire a 22 year old kid if you've got to be a championship caliber team, yeah. you know? And so the thing you have to do is one of the most valuable things I learned is about player development. Uh-huh. You, you uh, it's been one of the keys to any success I've ever had is, you know, developing players and taking them from wherever they're at and trying to, you know, get better every day. And, and, uh, you know, that journey is what, you know, what coaching and athletics and life is all about. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. I, uh, met a Nebraskan named Gary Grace. Um, his dad, uh, taught, uh, music at the University of Nebraska. Okay. And, uh, he's also a very good, um, I don't, you probably know who Jeff Smith is. He's a very good friend of Jeff Smith. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, um, so I've known Jeff Smith for a long time and, Anyway, he ch- he coached at Lexington Saint Anne's. Gary did, and uh, then he was the head coach at Cornell, which is a college, a Division three school right here in Mount Vernon. And he recruited one of our players, and I got to know him, and things worked out. And I was his assistant for four years. And uh, from there, I went to uh, I did that college coaching thing. I was the head coach at Lake Forest College in in Chicago, which was uh, a <laughs> A long way. Chicago is a long way from a hog farm in Iowa. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. And uh, and uh, my oldest son was born there, and my wife and I were on our own, and we built a program there that uh, was uh, um, real interesting. It was another program that we then had a winning season, and since some time, and that was I got that job sometime in the late eighties, and and uh, they hadn't had a winning season since in the like late sixties. And uh, we lost, it's amazing, I've got this thing, we lost our first 10 games, and uh, <laughs> um, felt kind of the same thing, and we um, won eight of our, we won uh, six of our last 12, and they thought that was the best thing that's ever happened there, the next year we went 12 and 10, and you know, we uh, um, had a great year, and mm-hmm. that was a unique year, because um, I'll never forget, we were 12 and 10, and we lost three games where we were ahead on the scoreboard when the clock went off. Oh. And the scoreboard went off, and then the ball went through the hoop, and we lost. Oh, and uh, we were we were that far away from being conference champions, you know, a year after we took that job. And and I had some great things about that, and um, for reasons of big city and reasons of family, I took the job at Univista, um, which was uh, in the conference that I played in Central and in Storm Lake, and yeah. uh, yeah. Um, was there for a year, and. Uh, um, Here's here's my and I coached with a my assistant coach was a, a young guy named Brian Van Hafton who still to the day is one of my best friends and um, won multiple conference championship played in the final four and now is the head coach at Dort. Okay. Um, yeah. 
But my my best story about uh, BV the BV is uh, my point guard that year was Nate Bjorkman, and uh, oh, okay. you may recognize that name. The new Indiana the Pacers coach. head coach. Yeah. yeah. So thank thank goodness he never followed my advice because about five years after he was there, um, he stopped at my house and he was the head he was the head sophomore coach at a school near here called Linmar, which is a big high school yep. and a really successful high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, he stopped in and he was talking to my wife and I and had a great relationship with Nate. And he had a chance to go work volunteer for the Sioux Falls Sky Force. Okay. At that time it was the CBA and not the G League, but it was the CBA, same kind of thing. And I said, Nate, I, said, I just, I don't think you can do that. I mean, you've got a full-time teaching job. You've got you know, benefits, you've got all that kind of stuff. I said, you know, you, you, you can't go take a job that, you know, you're, you're going to be a glorified manager. You're going to just, you know, chase film. And, and thank goodness he didn't listen to me because if he did, he'd probably be, maybe be the head coach at Lindmar. Instead, he's the head coach at uh, Indiana Pacers. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it turned out okay for him. Yeah, the moral of that story is <laughs> probably don't want to take my advice. So, anyway. <laughs> He's uh, he'll be very successful. He is a great person. So, yeah, yeah, sounds um, like it. Yeah, everything you've heard about him. Yep. But uh, tonight, I was the head coach at uh, at Cornell College, which is here in town, and um, it's close to home. And uh, my parents lived about thirty miles from here, and my wife's parents lived about forty miles from here, and so we decided this is the place we're going to raise our family. And we, uh, I was the head coach at Cornell, and. We had uh, some success here and some great kids. Um, one thing I loved about coaching at small school is you get some really, really small college is you get some really academically and athletically motivated kids. I, I know lots of doctors and lawyers <laughs> at Division three schools. So, um, and that will probably come in handy as I get older here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And then the other, the, the big turning point, uh, I had coached in high school and then I had coached in college and and uh, we had uh, done some really good things at Cornell. We were in a good spot. It was uh, it was it, it's a great place. I mean, it's a great community. It's a great school, but it's uh, um, the resources aren't what they are in some of the other schools in that conference. And but anyway, we, we were successful. We were never champions, but we were always in the hunt. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was about three days before Christmas, and uh, my son was in sixth grade. And, uh, fifth, sorry, fifth grade. My oldest son was in fifth grade, and uh, we were sitting at the supper table. And and uh, he goes, "Dad, you coming to my game tonight?" And I said, "You know, I I, I got to go recruit tonight. I got to go out and recruit." And uh, I was convicted immediately. He goes, "He goes, how come you watch other kids play and you don't watch me play?" <sighs> and you know, I looked at my wife and I just I that that's not the person that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just it was convicting. I mean, it was mm-hmm. I was a. Uh, that was one of the turning points in my career, and you know, I look back at that, and that was when I chose a different direction and uh, decided to go to high school. And the job opened up here at Mount Vernon High School. And you know, long story short, I got to coach that kid, and he and I, his last game, we won a state championship. So, had that conversation not taken place, as a, the wisdom of a fifth grader, I probably uh, um, wouldn't have been uh, in the place I was intended to be in. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, so I've been here since then. I've been at Mount Vernon. Well, I've been here 15 years. I've been the head coach 13 years. So I took two years off to watch that young man play in college. So, yeah. Um, so what? Uh, what was kind of the? You know, you, that's definitely the right decision to make. I mean, I know even with my kids as a high school coach, uh, you know, you you always feel guilty about missing. Uh, stuff from time to time when you when you just got to go to your own games, let alone having to recruit like a college coach. Uh, but what were some other major differences for you uh, leaving the college game? You were in the college game for quite a while, and then you and then you go to the high school game at a at a average sized school in Iowa. There, a, a borderline two A three A school. What were what were some things that? Uh, that you've liked with the transition? What are some things that have been really, really different, some adjustments that maybe you had to make as a coach? You know, I just, it's uh, um, probably the, the difference is, I mean, you know, when it, it was the, one of the reasons it was good for me is because when I was in college, it was a full-time job. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was basketball, basketball, basketball. And you know, I've come to 
you know, recognize in myself that's that's not what's best for me. Um, and I, I really enjoy the classroom. I mean, I really, really, really enjoy the classroom. In fact, at some point, I'll give up coaching and I'll continue to teach because mm-hmm. um, I really like what I do in the classroom. And uh, it just, it, it gives me, you know, it, it, it spreads me out more. It, uh, you know, you can have a bad day of practice and at least you can have a good day in the classroom. Yeah. Um, you get to know the kids in a, in a different way, you know, Um and uh, you get to know the kids outside of just basketball significantly better. Um, the the other the other differences in college. I mean, the, the neat thing about college is, I mean, the kids are all in. I mean, this this is what they love. They their passion. They love to do it. They eat, sleep, they breathe basketball. You know, and in, in, in high school, you get some kids who who do that. You also get kids. I mean, they're out there having a good time, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. You know, they're out because. Uh, they want to stay in shape for baseball or, you know, their friends are out or whatever it might be. And, uh, um, you know, so you get that group of people as well. And, and there's some advantages and disadvantages of that too. Um, you, uh, you know, you don't have as much time in high school to prepare your team as you do in college. And that's, again, that's good and bad. Yeah. That's good and bad. And, uh, you know, like I always say, it's like, it's a difference between Division One and, and Division Three basketball. I mean, once the ball goes up in the air, it, it doesn't matter. It's yep. just competition, and it's who executes the best, who's the best teammate, you know, who's been paired the best, and um, that doesn't matter whether you're in third grade basketball or the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, it's between those lines when it's up in the air. You know, it's, just, it's about competition and and doing your best and you know, and the best version of yourself at that point in your life or that, that point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you said, Coach, you, you, you went to Mount Vernon. Uh, you, you had the privilege of, of coaching your son. And at the end of the run here, uh, you, you end your son's career with a, with a state championship in, in 2012. Um, what was, you know, other than coaching your son, which is a great experience, but what was – Really unique. Yeah. Well, well, sometimes it's a great experience. (laughs) Overall, it's overall it's a great experience. But there's definitely bumps in the road. Um, But uh, let's let's talk about the team first. Uh, What uh, what made that team so special? What made that team so unique? Uh, I, I I went online. I watched about a seven and a half minute video, and and it wasn't like you were lined up with a bunch of. You know, a, a couple of D two guys or a dominant six six or six seven guy. It sounds like you just had a, a a scrappy bunch of kids who just played for each other, and that and that was kind of the vibe that I got off of that as I, as I was doing my research for tonight's podcast. Um, am I am I right? Yeah, am I it, wrong? Yeah, it was. You know, you just yeah. It was it was definitely a team that was bigger than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just um, we were. Uh, um, well, I our tall. My son was the tallest guy um, who played for us, and uh, he was six foot, six foot half an inch tall. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he was our leading rebounder. The um, post player was a five ten kid who weighed about two hundred and fifteen or two hundred and twenty pounds. who was strong as an ox. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had we had three guys who scored like ninety five percent of our points. Um, <laughs> yep. The. And we had three or four other guys who played who were just really good defense. We had, we had one of our, one of our guys who played our four man was a you know, multiple state champion in track and could just go forever. He could play him forever and he could just stick him on somebody and just dog the heck out of him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was funny because, uh, you know, we got to the point where, you know, we, we probably, you know, there was, uh, some unique things happened that, uh, um, helped us win a state championship. The year before, we got upset in the sub-state final, which is one of the hardest losses I've ever had. I mean, we, we knew we were going to the state tournament. We just, the year before, when those kids were all juniors, we knew we were going to the state tournament, and we didn't. And mm-hmm. we just, it was one of those things we couldn't make it. And the day after that happened, I had those, four of those seniors came in my, came into my room the next day, and they said, Coach, we said, we're not going to play any AAU. We're not doing anything else. We're going to do one thing. We're going to play as many games and as much time as we can together because we never want that to happen again. I don't ever want to, they said, I don't ever want to have to walk on the floor knowing that the better team didn't win, that in our minds, the better team didn't win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, they prepared like that. I mean, they were extremely unselfish. And more than anything else, we were just, we were really just, we were really competitive. I mean, practices were 
great. I mean, practices were unbelievably competitive. Um, we got to the end of the season, and it was like, you know, we, we were behind uh, to win the conference championship. We were down 13 points at halftime and came back and won it overtime to win the conference outright. And then the state championship game, all the games leading up to the state championship game, we won by over 20 points. Mm-hmm. We didn't have one game we were tested. We got the state championship game, and nothing went right. I mean, absolutely not one thing went right. They banked in a three at the end of the first quarter. We were in foul trouble. We couldn't make a layup. We couldn't do anything right. We were down 15 points. <laughs> we were down 33 to 18 with two minutes left. We had 18 points uh, with two minutes left to go in the third period. Wow. And it was like a switch flipped. I mean, it was like, I said, I've never been around a group of guys. There was no doubt in my mind that they were, in their minds, they were going to win. Mm-hmm. I really thought, had we played anybody, you know, we played anybody. We beat the team that won the 3A state championship. It was ahead of, you know, it was a class above us. And uh, I just thought we could have beaten any team in the state that year just because of those guys believed that they wouldn't lose. No matter what happened, no matter what you would throw at them, they weren't going to lose. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, bigger than the sum of the parts. It was just a really special group of kids. It, it, it sounds like it was a really mature group of kids. Yeah, you know, they, they, they really, um, you know, they, they really fit well together. And uh, it was all about, I mean, you know, the, the whole being better than the sum of the parts. I mean, we didn't have anybody who cared. We didn't have an all-state player on that team. We didn't, you know, we just, we had a bunch of guys who just really fit well together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like you said, you, you coached your son, and I've had a, I've had a few guests on that have, have coached one of their children, either a son or a daughter. Um, you know, again, talk about that, uh, that videotape that, uh, or the, the video that I watched, you know, uh, there was some, there was some ups. Uh, there was a lot of ups, but there were a few downs along the way. Uh, what did you learn about yourself as a coach from coaching your own child? Well, so when, when Jake, my son, his name is Jake. He played a little bit as a freshman, not very much, and not a big role, but a little bit as a freshman, and uh, you know, which, which was fine. And then as a sophomore, he played, you know, exclusively started, you know, played as a sophomore all the time and uh, that's the first time I ever coached him I, I wasn't one of those I, I purposely had not coached him all through the age you know, all through the little kid stuff and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and some of it was because up until fifth grade I was coaching in college and had no time to coach him you know and uh, and I had never coached him before and uh, it, I, I did not his sophomore year I didn't handle it well at all I mean I, I did not handle it well at all I, it was a uh, it was a real struggle, and about 99% of it was my fault. Um, and uh, my assistant coach, who uh, you know was was the difference maker, you know, I've been blessed with unbelievable assistance. We were playing somebody, and I got very angry at him, and I sat him down, and uh, I said, "Sit down, you're not playing anymore. You know, we're not we're not having that kind of effort. Yada yada yada, all that kind of stuff. Being harder on him than anybody else." And uh, as he's walking down, my assistant coach looks at him, and he goes, "You know what?" Because you're not punishing your son, because you're punishing all of his teammates. Because his teammates really need him out there right now. The only reason he's not out there is because you are not treating him fairly. Hmm. And I was just, it was, wow. it was one of those times I was convicted again. And I just, you know, it, it really, it, you know, that was one of those times it just, it changed my total outlook on that. I mean, the, wow. you know, it, and it was just such words of wisdom at that point that I thought, wow. And uh, I, when we won a state title, the very first person I talked to was Brad Haberbach, just because I said, you know what, I'm not sure without that conversation that we would be as good as we are right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that because it was it was absolutely the truth. It was absolutely the truth. I was, you know, being too hard on him, and by doing being too hard on him, I was hurting our team. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's a head coach as well. Over at yeah, uh, Davenport yeah, yeah. Assumption as a girls basketball coach, has he? Uh, I- I'm guessing there's been a few phone calls or text messages exchanged. Uh, you know, Dad, how do I? You know, this came up. How do I handle this? Uh, what What's that been like? It's been It's been really interesting. It's It's when you, when you talk to your you know, most of the time when you talk to your kids, you know, you're the parent, they're the you know they're the kid, that kind of stuff. And, and this has just been a really neat experience talking like peers. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, it's also, I mean, like, like at some point when, when he has kids, it's the same way. I mean, like he would say, 
And I was like, well, now I kind of understand maybe why you did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> now I understand maybe where that came yeah. from, you know? Yeah. And it's easy to say I'm, I'm never going to tell my kids, you know, because I said so, or I'm never going to do whatever. And then you realize, well, you know, there comes a time when that, that's kind of important to do that. So yeah. it's been it's been a really special, you know, my wife and I got a chance to go see them play on, on Friday. That's the first time we got to see them coach. We got to see them play on Friday. And it was just, it was uh, really nerve-wracking. It wasn't any different than anything else. It was just really nerve-wracking to um, watch him do it and, you know, to see how far he's come. And, um, you know, as a, as a parent, sometimes it's, it's uh, okay, I guess, to be really proud of your kids. So I'm really proud of him right now. So awesome, awesome. He's uh, much. He's at a much better point than his dad was at that point. I can tell you that he's he's learned from a lot of my mistakes. Well, and you know, uh, my son is is uh, uh, coaching with me this year. Um, he's he's back at home for the second semester because he's doing everything online anyway. So we thought we'd just move him out of the dorm and. Uh, you know, save a few thousand bucks, hopefully here. And, uh, and, uh, it, it's been an awesome, uh, it's been an awesome deal. Uh, I, the, the thing I like the most is the, the 15 minute drive every day to practice with, it's just me and him in the car and, and the 15 minute drive home after practice, just to talk about life. And, and, you know, we talk about the team, we talk about how practice went or what we're going to do for practice as well and that type of thing. But, uh, he's, uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun as well. So I can relate a little bit. He's he's not a head coach, not 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 even close to uh, ready for anything like that. But uh, you know that that father son bond is a special thing. And you know that's one of the things that you know I, my younger son he uh, spent the second semester here last year, his senior year, and mm-hmm. you know that was a tough way. It, it's tough because they want to be at school, they want yeah. all kind of stuff, but there also is some there's some relationship things that you can just never replace, you know, some time you get to spend together. That's, that's a blessing that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And Mm -hmm. so you, you know, you find your small nuggets of, you know, thankfulness and you, you know, thank the Lord that, uh, you know, you have some of those times together, others you wouldn't have had together. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you stepped away for a couple of years, um, to, to watch your son play some ball. And I'm guessing you just maybe wanted some downtime as well for yourself. Uh, what are some things that you perhaps learned, or, or were, you know, you were able to do during your couple of years away that maybe helped you out as a coach as well? It was funny. I, uh, um, I got, you know, we went to, so he went to, he played co college, which is in Cedar Rapids in the American rivers conference, which has, you know, Russ Wesley's in there now. And, uh, you know, central and, and those schools. And so, uh, it, it was a blessing. My, my wife and I got, it, it, I probably the best thing about it was, I mean, my wife and I never got this. It's like when we would go to Jake's games, I was coaching, he was playing, and my wife sat in the stands. Yep. And, uh, we got to spend a lot of really good time together in the car, um, traveling all over the Midwest, watching him play, which was, you know, something we never would have gotten to do before and which we really, really, really enjoyed, mm-hmm. um, you know, sharing that experience. Um, I uh, did some things. I I helped um, some coaches. We broke down some film and and uh, went to practice and did some stuff. And a funny story about that is uh, two of the schools I worked the closest with that year. The second the, the second year I was doing it, well, Iowa City Regina with uh, Stu Ordman mm-hmm. and uh, and trainer with uh, um, Scott Rucker. Scott Rucker actually played for me. Okay. And uh, those two teams ended up playing the state championship game. Oh jeez. And. Uh, Despite me helping them, um, they both played the state championship game. But it was just kind of it was just kind of very unique um, kind of. I knew all of the kids on both teams, and it was just kind of a unique thing that happened. And uh, I was very uh, non-committal about. Uh, I was I was rooting for I was rooting for trainer. Yeah. I know Scott since he was a freshman in college. So anyway, yeah. but uh, you, hopefully Stu's not listening to this. <laughs> well, you, that that is definitely the ultimate Switzerland situation where you just got to be neutral as all get yeah. out. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, here, here's the ultimate Switzerland situation. The very first game I ever coached as a high school coach, my brother was on the other team. Oh, he was geez. at Tipton, and I was at West Liberty. And my wife to this, my my mom, I'm sorry, my uh, my mom to this day says that was the worst night of her life. Uh, I, oh, she, I can't imagine. She did, 
she didn't know whether to, you know, and she sat on the, she sat on the Tipton side because that's where she grew up and that's where her family was, all that stuff. But she didn't wear anything, had any colors from either the one or two teams. And she made sure not one time she ever wrapped any calls and she just couldn't wait for the game to get over. <laughs> I can imagine, oh, I bet, I bet she was just a, a, a wound up bundle of nerves for an, for an hour and yeah. a half. It got even, it got even, it got worse because, uh, we actually won on a last second shot. And of course, you know, I've, I've mentioned that to him multiple, multiple times <laughs> over our lifetime. So anyway. Oh, wow. Oh, that is crazy. That is, that is crazy. And that's interesting. You got your start at West Liberty. My, my brother teaches at West Liberty. Uh, he's been there for, oh, really? for quite a while. Yeah. So, um, He's yeah, he's probably been there. It's a very close to twenty years. A, I, I, really, wow! Yep, it's a very unique school district. It's uh, there's some really neat things. I I love my time at West Liberty. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a tough district because um, it's about fifty percent um, non you know, English is a second language, and mm-hmm. it's got a unbelievable sixty or sixty five percent free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some really I have some unbelievable relationship with people there yeah. i mean you could really i thought you could really make a difference in in kids lives there yeah and, and you know that's kind of my my brother is a, one of the spanish teachers in esl and uh yeah he 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 really he's been like i said it's the only professional job he's ever had so he really really likes it there so um all right coach we're going to switch it up here a little bit we're going to change direction uh but before we do that uh, coaches, if you want to have an opportunity to have a hands-on mentor to help you hone your craft as a basketball coach, look no further than teachhoops.com, a place where coaches can go to get better. Coach Steve Collins shares his three decades of coaching knowledge with his subscribers through resources like podcasts, one-on-one mentoring sessions, and much more with teachhoops.com. Go to teachhoops.com backslash A-P-A-A-N, that's a pen and a napkin, where subscriptions start at $34.99 a month. When you sign up, you get a 14-day free trial, so combine teachhoops.com with a pen and a napkin to help make you the best coach that you can be. Uh, coach Tim, at this time, we, we throw out a, a Don Meyer uh, quote of the day. Um, the goat, Don Meyer, and you brought up growing up on a farm. It's It's crazy how many of these just hit the nail on the head with what we talk about the first half of the podcast. Um, but uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day, and feel free to uh, feel free to comment on this, Coach. We always need to be prepared and work hard in practice so we can be just like the farmer who has to put in that fourth cutting of hay in the barn. After he does that, he can feel good about what is going to happen the rest of the winter. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because... Uh, um, one of the things is, you know, so we'll get done with practice the day before a game, and uh, I mean, almost invariably, I'll say the haze in the barn. Uh-huh. Because you know what? There's nothing. To, there's nothing to do about it at that point. You know what I mean? You, all your preparations there, and uh, if you'd like to think, yeah, and I'm, I'm better than I used to be. There's not a lot. Over, you know, there's not a lot of reason to worry at that point. Um, and I'm one of those people who thinks that like in-game coaching might be one of the most overrated things there are. Because mm-hmm. um, I've always, I've always thought about, you know, if you're prepared. The rest of the stuff should take care of itself. In fact, I, I, you know, my college coach always said this. You know, it'd be really, you can find out who the best coaches were if you were just not let coaches in the building. You know, just have the coaches coach the kids, and uh, you know, as soon as the game starts, the coaches walk out and the kids play. And who's the best prepared team? And uh, in fact, uh, when, when we play summer stuff. Oh, usually at least once, you know, once every weekend, I will just go sit in the stands. And have our coaches, have our captains coach the team. They they sub them, and they do what they need to do. They call timeouts. They do all that kind of stuff. And then I just observe. And it's always been a really, really valuable thing for me to see um, to develop leadership. To see, and I, I don't tell them. I, I all I say is, hey, listen, you guys are in charge, and I, I literally you guys. And so sometimes it works out well. Sometimes it doesn't. But it gives us a chance to talk about you know who the leaders are. You know. Mm-hmm. But who's gonna? And it's funny because you just it, I mean, they all kind of look at each other, and sometimes like they know who it is. And that person steps up and it does it. Does it other times? It's kind of by committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's uh, kind of what that that quote means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to go down. Don Meyer used to have that uh, weekend clinic. Um, he had when well, he actually had it for several years. And uh, I used to get lots of stuff out of that. I mean, I used to get notebooks of stuff when I'd go listen to him talk. Yeah. 
Yep. Well, that's that's why he's the goat, and that's why we reference him every week, uh, right about halfway through things, and and uh, you know, um, like hundreds, if not thousands, of coaches, uh, you know, of our generation, uh, you know, he's the man, and uh, I've already bequeathed my uh, Don Meyer DVD collection to my boys, and and they'll just have to share them, or we'll have to, you know, make uh, multiple copies of them or something, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so many things start and end with everything that uh, that he's done and that he did. So, um, so another thing from your email that you sent me, and so this is going to tie into my first question about your philosophy, and and we're going to get into the coaching weeds here, the the, the nerddom of coaching here. Um, but you said here, I can tell you in one sentence our entire playbook. We run half-court man-to-man defense, motion offense, one out-of-bounds play, one press break, and our zone offense has four rules. So somehow or another, Coach, you have found a way to take this somewhat complicated game that really isn't that complicated and able to simplify it to fit all of these different areas. So uh, your, your simplicity uh, is, the, the, is the genius of the simplicity. Um, what, what do you do to... to Put your kids in those situations, and 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 to make it so that it is that simple for your for your players, so they can just go out and play. Yeah, just you know, I mean, in, in my entire life, a lot of it stems from you know the philosophy of my dad. Um, you know, he grew up on a farm, and and we just we we kept things simple. You know, we didn't we didn't have elaborate tractors, and we didn't have elaborate stuff like that. We just you know, lots of hard work, and you know that was what made people successful. You mm-hmm. know, and and uh, you know and um, you know, it, it starts from like every single thing we do. You know, we we only ever have to talk about one goal, and that's get better every drill, every get better every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, we constantly remind ourselves of that. I mean, we'll we'll stop the middle of a drill because we're not getting better. You know, and uh, we'll say we didn't get better today, and you can't have very many days like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I remember my the very first. I have a long story I tell in political science about you know the genius of the Constitution, but it boils down to this: is that. Uh, the very first job I had at West Liberty, I had this big, long playbook um, of all how we dressed and this would happen in this practice and all these kinds of things, you know, which, which lots of coaches have. And, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the, the mantra. You know, so everything's covered like that. And I had a couple of situations that it wasn't covered by the playbook. And here I am, a 22-year-old head coach, and, you know, they're questioning. I mean, I'm not following the playbook and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, from some great advice from my college coach, I've, we've always had three rules. And, you know, and keeping simple. So you just, you do your best, you do what's right, and you treat other people like you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that covers every single situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing we've always done is whenever there has been something, when there's been a conflict between whether something was right or wrong, we sit down with a player and we say, well, is that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? And then we have a conversation. And I, 99.9% of the time, I have a kid punish himself. And, uh, I, that's been one of the best tools I ever had. I got that from <laughs> from a long one of my best friends was named Bob Black, and uh, he was a science teacher. And he always, when somebody would mess something up, he said, "Okay, what what are we going to do about this?" He goes, "You're going to punish yourself. What's your punishment?" And uh, the two things that are important about that is a um, you find out whether they're really sorry or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if they don't think it's wrong, you find out whether they're really sorry about it or not. And nine, uh, at least ninety percent of the time, they punish themselves more than I would. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was doing. I look like the good guy because I don't punish them quite as much as they wanted to. And uh, but, but you realize whether they, you know, they felt like they did something wrong or not. And if they didn't, it doesn't matter if you punish them. That's not going to change their behavior. You know, it's just that conversation that changes their behavior. And uh, that was some of the best advice I ever got. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so with the simplicity thing, you know, we just, I just. Hey, I'm not very smart. I mean, I grew up on a farm, and you know, <laughs> I grew up in Tipton, and there's a whole bunch of farmers, and you know, and so I can't keep all these things in my head. So I, I know I can do this. I know, you know, that there's a certain way I want to see our guys play, and the thing I really want them to play with is just play, you know, free and by instincts. I don't want them to think, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you do that by because it's about habits, you know. And I, I said, you know that. Going back to the Bob Knight stuff, you know, I can tell you whether we are good defensively that night or not about 
50 seconds into the game. If we're anticipating, we're going to have a good night defensively. And if we're reacting, we're going to be really bad defensively. And it's as simple as that. If we anticipate, we're really good defensively. If we can, you know, the scouting report, jumping to the ball, all the stuff. If we anticipate what we're doing, then we're going to be really good that night. And if we're reacting, it's going to be a long night. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a pretty simple way to play. And I think guys like to play that way. And then it's the opposite. I mean, the opposite on offense, you just react. You know, there's a stimulus, you react. There's a stimulus, react. And so we do lots of things to put them in situations defensively where they have to anticipate and uh, offensively, where they have to react to stimuli, you know, the help and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's a what's, what's a typical practice look like, Coach? Um, well, we do we do a lot of the um, stuff where we we don't do anything more, no team stuff more than ten minutes, and no individual stuff more than five. Okay. Um, we go we go uh, you know from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Um, and we go offense, defense, you know, the guys, because basketball is a game. The, the, the thing I, the two things I love about basketball is that uh, it's the only sport where nobody's position is defined. Mm-hmm. You define your own position. I, I just love that fact that you, know, you define your own position. Mm-hmm. And that is, and the other part about it is, it's just continuous motion up and down. It's constant between offense and defense and transition and everything else. And uh, I try to make practice, um, chaotic. I mean, we want, we want, we want to be constantly in chaos. And what we want our guys to be able to do is make order out of chaos. And so I know we can create havoc. And then what happens is our guys are used to living in havoc and they feel comfortable there when it's chaotic and they, you know, they, they can perform when it's chaotic and we can make other teams feel uncomfortable. And that's offensively and defensively. We try to make ourselves feel comfortable in chaos and try to make them not feel comfortable that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, we do a lot of things to uh, challenge our guys, um, a lot of things that are, um, uh, you know, we're, we're at a disadvantage offensively and defensively, lots of disadvantage stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we, set, we do lots of stuff where our kids are going to fail. Um, we do lots of stuff where individuals fail, and lots of stuff where teams fail, lots of competitive stuff. Um, one thing I think is really valuable is we do almost everything we do when we uh, um, we don't ever, hardly ever, play our top five guys together. We almost everything we do we pick teams, mm-hmm. and uh, that that really does. The thing I love about that is that there's two things. Um, a, you know your kids, which, so you you'll take out. It's not always the best. I'll take our two worst players, and they get to pick teams, and they'll pick teams. And it's very interesting to see who they pick because you'll get to see whether they like somebody or not, whether they don't like somebody or not. Like, we'll move up a freshman. Like, we just moved up a freshman this week, and we'll pick teams. And it's very interesting to see where the seniors pick that person. And Mm -hmm. uh, then you have an idea. You know what? Our guys don't think he's ready. And so if I throw him out there, our guys aren't going to trust him. And uh, if we, we, you know, he was picked fourth, and so I know, you know what? I'm going to throw him out there. And even if he makes a mistake, our guys trust him. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's something really, really valuable we do we do lots of picking of teams, and uh, the two best players of the two best leaders I've ever had. Um, you know, somebody always gets picked last, and it's that poor sap who always gets picked last. And uh, the, the two great leaders I had many times would would pick that person, the, per, the person who's in that group, would pick them before they were last. And if they were the last player, I, I, I you know, it, it makes me tear up a little bit. I mean, they run over and they say, "We get Billy, Billy, we got you. You're on our team." Come on, and uh, I mean that's what that's what a team's all about. And that's what really leadership is about. Anybody can lead the top kids. Mm-hmm. Your true leaders are the guys who reach out to those bottom kids who are never going to play. Mm-hmm. And one of the hallmarks, one of the things I'm most proud of is uh, we had 26 juniors and seniors out last year, and uh, we always have over 20. Wow! And uh, and we, we practice all those kids. Every single one of those kids practices every repetition, everything we do in practice. And uh, if you came into practice, I mean, outside of telling ability-wise, but as far as how they're involved in practice, every single one of those kids is in every single drill, and we mix them up totally. And uh, one of the things we tell the guys in the bottom, if you guys don't get better, then our team's not going to be very good. Mm-hmm. And one of, the, one of the, my big passions is one of the things that just breaks my heart is when some coach calls a kid a drill killer. If that kid's a drill killer, then that's your fault. That's not the kid's fault. Yeah. Okay, that's your fault. 
if he's, if he's a drill killer, then one of two things, that's either a crappy drill or you're not a good teacher, okay? Because that's your job. Your job is to make sure that you don't have any kids that are drill killers. If you do, then you better come up with a different drill or you better work your tail off and teach that kid better than you are right now. Yeah. And that's uh, something that I'm, I don't know, maybe you can tell I'm kind of passionate about that. And I'm just, I'm really proud of our guys just including everybody. And um, I, I, here's the funny thing. I, I've said I'm not going to use the C word this entire year because I think it's the most overused word in our language right now in sports. That's culture, of course. <laughs> I, but I, just, I knew exactly where you were I, going with that, too. I just, I'm not using that word. It's just it's overused. It's just overused. Everybody wants to. I just, you know, I want to build a team. I want to build a team that, you know, that plays together, that cares about each other, and hopefully is as good as we can be on that particular day. Mm-hmm. And last night we were. Last night we had a huge win. We had an overtime win. We were down eight with five minutes left to go and against a really good team and a tough place to play. And our kids showed some real toughness and. Um, won a game when we couldn't make a darn shot to save our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, y- you've talked about a couple of the assistants that you've had uh, throughout your 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 years here. Uh, what are some typical ways that you that you use your assistants to help strengthen your program and to to help uh, give them responsibilities and you know kind of a uh, you know delegation of duties what are what are some things that you do with your assistants to to help the program and also help them become better assistant coaches well i think one of the things we do is um so we uh um and i've been really lucky because over the last and it's just kind of i don't know exactly even how this developed but i've had in the last five years i've had six guys who were head coaches who, for whatever reason, you know, they were they were head coaches, and then they weren't head coaches, and then they were assistant coaches for a year or two, and they mm-hmm. went back to you know being head coaches again. And so, um, I've been really blessed with that. But um, I think two things: one, one thing you have to give them ownership; they have to be in charge of something. And so, usually, what I'll do is I'll sit down and I'll say, "Okay, here's something we're we're really struggling with." Mm-hmm. And it could be rebounding, like this year's rebound. This year, we're we're just we're we're not very big. And uh, we're not very strong, and we've kind of changed a lot of things for the first time. And so we, we've, for the first time in 35 years, I've been a head coach. We haven't set a screen yet, coach. We've not set a screen this year. Yeah. And it's driving me crazy, and <laughs> I, I, I like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it also the old, the old coach in me, the old you know, guard in you, hard. Yeah. Yeah, change is hard. But uh, so anyway, so I got this from Scott Rucker, trainer. So if you're below the free throw line, you go to the offensive glass. And if you're above the free throw line, you get back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I like that a lot because it's very unpredictable, which is good for us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It sends different guys to the glass. They don't know who it's, who's coming to the glass. And since we're a five-out motion team, um, it means we always have, you know, defensive transition, defensive balance. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of our coaches, one of our assistant coaches, I mean, every single drill, he's talking to our kids about, you know, hey, listen, you're above the free throw line. And... Uh, and so our assistant coaches, I, I want them pulling kids out a lot and talking and teaching. Mm-hmm. And they'll take them to, like, we're going up and down and up and down and up and down. We don't want to stop practice. Mm-hmm. But they're constantly pulling kids out, okay, and taking them off to the side and saying, listen, this is what you did, show them technique, or getting all, you're just doing whatever they need to do, and, uh, um, and taking ownership. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing I really want our assistant coaches to do and I, I, I feel like I you know need to do is to coach all of our kids because it's really easy to you know to really focus on those top kids absolutely and so about six or seven years ago one of the things that I always make sure I do is that uh, I we have 26 kids to practice is uh, I have to have a personal interaction and teach every day something and make a comment to every single one of our kids every day mm-hmm. and uh, you know so that's just because they're important because the way we practice, if somebody's having a bad day, that drags our whole team down. Mm-hmm. And uh, but given assistance, ownership of something. So like the like last night, we out rebounded them, and so we come in and I say, you know, Coach Haverback, you know, you, uh, all you guys should thank him. We out rebounded night. You all know why we out rebounded them because of all the hard work that Coach Haverback's been doing all week, and uh, that just reinforces, you know, his value to the team. It reinforces, you know, that he's going to be even better the next time. You know what I mean? Yep. And uh, that's your responsibility. And it's the same thing. We call it, if we're really bad rebounding that day, 
then we say this, you know, I won't say it in front of the kids, but he and I say, you know what, we, we got to get better. You know, I mean, somehow we got to make sure that Joey's going to the boards or that Joey's getting back or, you know, that he understands what is above or below the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that motivates them instead of just kind of having whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing is, you know, the assistant coach always, we, we put together a plan for the first half, and uh, the assistant coach does all the stuff. He does all of the, the usual subbing. So we put together a plan, and uh, he does all the subbing, and that way I'm free to coach the game. Now, I'll, I'll you know, bring a kid out, pull a kid in, that kind of stuff. But the basic, you know, this kid plays three minutes, and this kid comes in for him, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that's all done by the assistant coach. And again, mm-hmm. that gives them accountability and uh, takes something off of my plate that uh, you know, allows me to focus on other things. And uh, so I think that delegation is something I've gotten much better at, not having to control everything. Yeah. And uh, that I think that's, that's made me a better coach. It's helped our program immensely. And it also helps the assistant coaches. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it helps the assistant coaches immensely because I can, when they apply for a head job, I can say, listen, this guy did a fantastic job teaching whatever it had to be, post-play or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And look at how this kid developed. And that was all because of, you know, Coach Biss or Coach whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I like a, a couple of those ideas there, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's, uh, w- especially when you have former head coaches and I had that situation, uh, where, uh, in my previous position or my previous job, uh, I had a guy who had won 460 some games as a head coach and he was my number one assistant for seven or eight years. And, and more than anything else, it was nice to have, the the lens of a head coach helping you coach the program and coach the team and looking at things because sometimes when you, all you've done is be an assistant coach you can get a little bit myopic whereas when you have those former head coaches with you they know that you're looking at the forest and not just at the individual trees have you found that as well coach yeah i think you know the one of the things that i've always had you know when, when i talk to assistant coaches the, the two words there are two words that have to happen and that is honesty and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to be loyal. I mean, if you're if you're not loyal, then you know, then you, you're you're in the wrong business because that's just wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's that's always wrong. And that is, and, but the other part about that is honest. And so, if you think I'm doing something wrong, you got to be honest and yep. not say, "Yeah, you're going to be." You've got to be honest. And and when I, whenever I've gotten in trouble, whenever we've gone, you know, down someplace we haven't been, this one assistant coach has, you know, it, it's when because I'm so strong-willed, because I'm so competitive, like I talked to my son a long time ago, you know what I mean? Yeah. I needed somebody to say, hey, listen, this, this is wrong, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to, uh, to give them that space to say, listen, you know, I, I, you know, you, I may you know, not seem like it, but I'm listening to you, and you've got to be honest. The only thing that's best for our team is if you're honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, had that, you know, Brad Haverback not had that conversation with me you know, eight years ago, you know, we wouldn't want to stay title. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be honest and you got to be loyal. Yeah. And so those are the two huge things I think with assistant coaches. And you want, you don't want yes, man. You don't want people who are just going to say, yeah, coach, you're doing a great job. You want people to say, well, what do you think about this? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's just, a, I, I like guys who think differently than I do. Yeah. I really like guys who think differently than I do because it challenges you and it stretches you and you have to justify. It's just like when, when, you know, players ask questions, you know, why are we doing this? And if you can't answer that question, then you should then be doing it. Yeah. You, then you've got a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the same thing in class. So I said, why are we learning this? Well, you should be able to tell them this is why we're learning it. And you should have that answer. And if not, then that's good for you because you better go analyze that because that may not be the right thing to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great points, coach. Um, coach, you got time for one more topic? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your, your half-court motion principles. Uh, you, you know, you, you said you keep it really, really simple and, and pretty much all facets. And, uh, you know, this year's been different. Like you said, you, you haven't set a screen yet this year. Uh, but uh, as, you, as you've evolved, as you've, as you've changed things and as you've done things over the years, uh, what are some ways that you've taught the game and put your kids in situations uh, and maybe uh, perhaps some drill work that you have uh, to, to help kids like you were talking about, just play, just l- react and, and make plays and make plays within the concepts of, of, of the situation presented to them. Uh, how, how, have you, how have you pieced all of that together over the years? 
Well, one of the things we've changed this year, and this is a complete change for us, is we, we every shooting drill we do, there's a decision involved. Oh, and okay. so what that means is it, it, it may be a situation. So we do a lot of stuff where we will, uh, um, you know, we'll have a manager. We'll go, we'll, uh, um, we'll, have, we'll go buy a cone, you know what I mean? We're like we'll beat the man, and then we'll have a health defender there. Mm-hmm. And the manager simply does one of two things. The manager either takes the guy who's driving or they take the shooter. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to react and read that every single time. Both guys get a shot. That's what happens. We have a coach with the ball. If he takes it to the rim, you know, he shoots that shot, and then our coach will throw it to the guy in the corner. And we just keep running that through again and again. We'll do that with two guys and with three guys. And so we'll have managers and coaches. But you, whenever we shoot the ball, there's always a decision involved. Mm-hmm. There's always a decision. Do I drive? Do I pass? Do I shoot? And uh, because that's that's really important. For, it's always important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, it's better than just shooting. Well, the only shooting drill we do right now is we shoot 50 shots in six minutes. We have two guys, and we get 50 shots up in six minutes. So two guys, we get 100 shots up in six minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you really work your tail off, you know, other than that, all of the shooting drills we do have some kind of decisions. We've developed a whole bunch of drills that fit what we're doing offensively with spacing and everything else and moving on the pass, but we'll, we'll have a help defender or even a guy closing out. You know, a guy closing out, well, hands down, we're going to shoot that. You know what I mean? But he's mm-hmm. making that decision. She can do that simply with just managers. She can do that with just coaches. Even us old coaches can have our hands up and our hands down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get tired after a while, but, you know, then I'll put one hand up and one hand down. But anyway. <laughs> um, but, so, and that's, I think that's really helped us. It's really helped our decision-making, and it's really helped, you know, um, us moving up the ball. I, I just like that whole concept. We don't get quite as many shots off. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about game shots, those are game shots. You know, yeah. those are game shots coming from inside out and off the drive and, you know, one more. And so, you know, we'll do all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that's been a big change for us, um, doing that kind of stuff. We'll do lot, we do lots of stuff where we'll uh, do restrictions. Um, we'll do restrictions for a team. We'll do restrictions for players. Um, so we, we'll do a five-on-five scrimmage, and I'll tell our best player, you can't shoot. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to create shots for somebody else. And so, and nobody else knows that. Only he knows that. Yeah. Or I'll say, you can only, you know, or I'll tell somebody, you know, you can only shoot when your team's behind. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'll tell mm-hmm. the entire team, you can only take three off of an inside out. You can't take any other threes unless it's an inside out. Mm-hmm. You can't shoot unless the ball's touched three sides of the floor. And so every time we do some kind of scrimmage, there's some kind of limitations where our guys have got to play within some kind of, you know, um, thing. We'll do the same thing defense. We'll say, okay, we're going we're gonna to go up and down, and Joe has four fouls. And, uh, you know, and so that way they try to attack him. That way, you know, he's got to make sure he doesn't foul. And uh, if he does foul, the team automatically loses. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, um, and, then they, and then they run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's the way it usually goes. And so just lots of stuff like that, again, to, to make them think. And so then in the game, they've been in this situation before. It's not new to them. It's not novel. And now when we can use all of the tools in our toolbox, it becomes simply, it becomes a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it, Coach. This was, this was a lot of uh, really, really good information here for our listeners. Uh, hope you, I hope you enjoyed your first podcast experience either listening coaching spelling whatever it may be i i hope you had a good time on the podcast yeah it was uh um it was yeah it was it was right it seemed like you know it was pretty easy um and i you know hopefully with the fcc doesn't you know take you off the air now for some reason <laughs> some unknown reason um i i, I hopefully you're not hopefully you're not banned from twitter for the rest of your life or anything else you can go wrong in the world today but uh, 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 the you know it's uh it's it's a pretty crazy time and and uh one of the things you know again you know talking about being grateful uh to to coach or to to play um you know one of the things that i i, I do uh tell our kids on a pretty regular basis is you know it, it's pretty crazy uh we are we are that blessed that we can spend a lot of time, and it's a big priority in, in all of our lives, 
to, to take this orange round ball and try to throw it in this hoop that is hanging from the ceiling 10 feet off the ground and we're trying to put that in that hoop more often than the other group is on the other end and we come up with all these crazy designs to try and make this happen or to try and prevent it from happening and if you really think about it uh that is that is a tremendous blessing in our lives and uh you know it's it's a charm life that we live as coaches so well, uh Thanks for doing this. I mean, anybody who's, you know, anybody who wants to help out other coaches is always, uh, um, got a special place in my heart because we all, you know, we all, you know, any, any nugget of information we get from somebody. I mean, like I said, I don't think I've had an original thought in my entire life. And so, um, one of the things I try to do is I've got about all these different drills that all have these strange names and our guys every so often will ask, and it's kind of cool. They'll ask me, you know, we put in, we put in a set the other day called Fox and it's named after, Andy Fox, who's uh, was, you know, anyway, guy who played for me, and it mm-hmm. was a play we designed for him because he's you know does this well. And mm-hmm. we have another drill we do is called the AC drill because it, we had a kid who just traveled every single dang time he caught the ball, so we had to come up with a drill to keep stop from stop from traveling all the time. And so I've got all these drill names um, that are all you know bring back really good memories about all these people who've had great influences in my life between coaches and players and. Man, I've had some fantastic managers. Hope some cool managers yeah. too, as well. So. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think we're all like that, you know. Well, you know, what's uh, you know such and such drill? What you know? What's Duke slides? Well, I got it from Duke. All right. Well, that makes sense. All right. You know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, we we call our 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 walkthrough uh, Creighton. You know, Creighton walkthrough because you know it's 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 something that I took from Coach McDermott down at Creighton when he very graciously allowed me to come into practice, you know, a few times and, and just, just, just stuff like that. Like you said, you know, these, these, these funny names that we get stuff from, uh, you know, it's, it's, or, you know, kind of the ultimate one coaches is, is you name a play after a team that kicked your butt with the same player, the same press break or the same, you know, that type of thing, you know? Oh well, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, Hey girls, this is, this is the, this is the Gretna, this, this is the Gretna flash here. Well, why do you call it that? Well, because Gretna kicked my butt with it for a few years. So you know what? We're just we're going to take it from them here. You know, so we, we get, and you want to give them credit because they deserve it. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. We don't we don't want any uh, uh, copyright issues with any of those type of things. So we don't want Disney breathing down our neck either. So, um, well, Coach, do you have any uh, social media that you'd like to plug for your program at all, or? I well, he, you obviously don't know me that well because uh, I don't have any social media. I, I, I'm talking to you on my flip phone here, by the way, um, and uh, I have never been on Twitter. Um, okay, I uh, TikTok is what a clock says, and um, I don't have much of anything else. So um, I can tell you, I still, <laughs> I still write out our practice plans by hand. And on a sheet of paper, which I still give a heart, my, our practice planning looks exactly like it did 35 years ago. And, uh, I mean, obviously the practices are different, but they're handwritten and they're down to the minute. And if our guys come back, our managers come back, they still get angry because they can't read my handwriting all the time. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. That's, 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 uh, it is it is so true how you kind of get into those habits and and uh, they're they're a little bit hard to write. You made the joke about the the flip phone. Uh, one of my buddies had a fortieth birthday party, and this was you know I'm 47, so this is you know seven years ago. So I went back home for it, and and his little brother popped out a flip phone. And he flips it out. I go, yo, Justin. Who still has a flip phone? And about four guys just stood up. I do, I do. Bang, bang, bang. I'm like, okay, hey, I guess, uh, I guess they're still a little bit more popular than what I thought they were. So, uh, nothing wrong with that, coach. If it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny sometimes because at least all the people who know me know that you can't send me a picture because I can't get a picture. Ah. And so, uh, I, I know if I know if somebody knows me well because if there's something you know because otherwise I said I can't play it, can't do whatever. And so all the people who know me, um, so what they'll do is uh, if they send a, a distribution of a picture, they'll they'll just say, "Oh yeah, and Ed, this is uh, what the picture actually is. It's this dog doing something, or whatever it happens to be, you know, because 
they have to describe it because they know that I don't have access to it. So. Yeah, exactly. So, well, coach, thanks so much for, for coming on the pod. If you, if you hold the line here in just a second, I'll, I'll wrap things up here. Um, Ed Tim, the head boys basketball coach at Mount Vernon High School, just uh, right in between Iowa City and Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So uh, we want to thank Coach Tim for his time and and uh, his information tonight. A lot of really, really good stuff, especially on team building and, and, and coaching your entire team. Just a lot of really, really good information there. We, of course, want to thank COSAC Chiropractic for sponsoring the uh, podcast. Uh, again, if you're in need of chiropractic services around the Omaha area, don't hesitate to call Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at 402 9 640300. Subscribe to teachhoops.com. Uh, great resource. Again, Steve Collins out of Madison, Wisconsin, does a great job. Teachhoops.com backslash APAAN. You get a 14 day free trial, so give it a shot. Again, follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. Uh, maybe if I'm lucky, maybe someday. Coach Tim will be following me on Twitter. Um, that that would be the accomplishment. That might be my next uh, social media goal there, Coach. So um, download, rate, and review the pod. And, of course, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas. Uh, again, I want to thank Ed Tim for coming on the, the podcast here today. Coaches, as always, let's stay safe, let's pray for peace, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day 